Dr. Jillian Lucas Baker. I'm a professor, a wife, and a mom, and I've struggled with fertility issues. I'm Sonora Joy Allwood, a holistic nurse, health coach, entrepreneur, wife, and mom, and I've also struggled with fertility issues. I'm Rayal Hamilton Romeo. I'm a PR executive, a storyteller, and an adjunct professor. I'm a mom and a travel enthusiast, and I've struggled with fertility issues. Welcome to a tribe called fertility. Welcome everyone to another episode of A Tribe Called Fertility. Today we are talking about maternal mortality. Dr. Angela Clack is also joining us for this episode. Dr. Clack is our resident psychologist and we thought that it would be appropriate to have her join us because of the sensitive nature of the topic that we're discussing. Welcome Dr. Clack. There's definitely studies that show that nurses and medical practitioners say that Black people have less pain tolerance, but I think really it's 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 an empathy thing. Like, you know, I, I just think that they're, mm. you know, less empathetic mm. to you know, what we go yes. through as, as a people because, you know, it's they're not us and we're not them, you know. So, you know, it's it's that connection piece and not feeling. Or how about absolutely as human, you know? human beings? Yeah. Right. And empathy requires being able to put yeah. yourself in someone else's yeah. shoes, yeah. you know. And so if you don't look like me, that's not an easy task. That's not something easy for you to do, to be able to put yourself in my shoes, you know, and, and to me, that's one of the biggest problems in healthcare. Um, it's that everyone carries implicit bias. We, yeah. we, we all have certain yeah. biases that we, but we have to check those biases, you know, especially if you're going to take an oath or you're going to take a job um, in this profession where you're going to be handling lives because in the end of the day, we're all human beings and we all deserve the same level of care. We all deserve the same level of humanity, like human, right. humane treatment, you know? So it's just, it's, it's, it's nuts to me because um, before you join us, we were talking about, you know, continuity of care and, you know, the importance of having the same doctors. And so you spoke about how, you know, it wasn't the same doctor who, you know, cared for her that delivered the baby, you know? So that probably also played a big role too, because he had no type of rapport with you all as a family, you know what I mean? And, you know, so did he know what to look for? What could have possibly presented as a complication? You know, I mean, there's only so much a checklist can tell you. Right. You know what I mean? So because we're all unique human beings. But you also made a really, really good point. And I just wanted to also bring in Dr. Clack at this point, because you talked about the reason that Shimani was trying or that both of you were trying so hard to have a VBAC, which is like you said, a vaginal birth after C-section was because, you know, she had experienced so much pain with the first C-section and you felt um, that she held that trauma inside of the body. Okay. And so I just wanted to ask Dr. Clack, is, is what he's speaking about, is that somatic trauma? Yeah, it is. And first of all, good evening, Omari. How are you? Good evening. I'm doing well about yourself. Good. This is my second time I've been able to sit in the same space and hear the story from you because I am a, um, a good friend of your mom-in-law. 
and each time I've heard it, I, it gives me pause. Mm -hmm. And and I want to honor that moment. I want to honor the story, and I want to honor you for being able to, to continue to tell the story so that other women have a fighting chance and 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 being informed. So I know that you just share like women say that I'm scared, I'm scared, but you're actually giving them a fighting chance by knowing what to look for and how to ask for questions and how to advocate and uh, expect sometimes the unexpected and then the, the, the support. So I just want to, I just want to honor your, you. your story. And thank you so much for standing in, in this space for um, Shimani. Absolutely. So DNA and, and we talk about intergenerational trauma and legacies and things like that. Um, they're a part of us. So we do carry those things with us. We embody all of that. Each of us are embodying her story right now, particularly if you were a mom and you've had a story uh, uh, your own birth trauma story. So yeah, I'm so glad that he, he articulated that beautifully. I couldn't have said it better. Thank you for bringing that to our awareness as people of color about the importance of that. And that's why residents and doctors do not understand and their bias around perception of pain has nothing to do with that. That I mean, that's dirt training, uh, uh, gaps in their training, but it really is more about what we embody and what we carry with us from one generation to another. So thank you very much for articulating that. Someone it's said, good. I think it was you, Jill, that medical professionals tend to think that Black people don't feel pain in the same way. So now me, and again, you y'all know my brain goes in very strange places. If I'm not feeling pain in the same way. So if you touch me and I don't immediately say, ouch, right? If you think my pain receptors aren't um, at the same level as someone who is not black, would you not then give even more attention and even more care because you don't know how far you can go before this person starts to feel pain and when they do at what degree, if that is your perception, would your brain not tell you, maybe I have to pay closer attention because I'm not going to get the same reaction at the same time from this person? Again, like I said, no, that, I know my brain goes no, in straight it's, places and it's I a start great to add question. things up, but like- no, it's a great question because I remember um, being in nursing school and learning about culturally competent care. And when we learn how to assess pain, um, not only um, subjectively, so from the patient, but also objectively, and we would break that down into different racial groups and, and ethnic groups. And I remember learning about uh, Asians and learning how they can be more stoic. They may not complain so we have to use other parameters to assess their pain. So I may have to look at their heart rate. I may have to look at, are they kind of clenching their teeth? Are they, you know, other things. So you're right. So if, if we know that we have to take those steps to assess pain for other groups, then why not for us? Why is it just that we can tolerate more pain? You know, like, uh, is this rooted in slavery? Because we were, you know what I'm saying? That's where I was going to go. I mean, a lot of this is rooted in slavery. And let's also, and just some ex historical examples to keep in mind. I mean, the father of gynecology, gynecology. In this country, a white male medical doctor used black slaves to do all of his, his testing or uh, what's the, you know, the, the speculum. Yes, to create all of the instruments. No That's right. medication, no- Dr. Sims. Yep. Yes, J. Marion Sims. Nothing. 
That's right. No anesthetic. Seen as he is just seen in this highlight in the medical profession. I mean, that's just, this is the history uh, of medicine. We, so, and these things happen over and over again. Uh, Can I add this, Dr. Jill? Um, Having had a number of physicians that I have as clients of mine in terms of treating their stress level and other things. Mm -hmm. One of the things I think that is happening when we're training, when they're training residents is that old doctors do not retire. Yes. They in the system so long. So their mindset, their training philosophy continues to get perpetuated with the residents that they're treating. That's right. So until those residents either start to stand out and separate themselves and do their, their maybe their specializations or some other kind of work That's around uh, more current contemporary concerns, including cultural nuances and things like that. They're under, they're at the mercy of these people that That's are training. Right. Them. They don't, they don't retire. They just keep, they, they move them. They just move them and, and they You're make them out of the operating room and put them in a class. So that's okay. what I think is happening. Now that makes sense yeah, to me. Because it's just the passing down of the Right, culture. right. And yeah. Right. So if I'm teaching you. Yeah bad and then you're going to learn bad until something comes to course correct very interesting okay so dr clack we're all black on this podcast right now Mm -hmm. so from our standpoint it looks like it could be a racial issue Mm -hmm. is it a racial issue is it a case of implicit bias and not necessarily because um x person is black um x person is being treated this way or is it um, I just have an implicit bias. I don't know enough cultural ignorance. Um, and what role does either race or biases do they play in medical interactions, especially when it comes to pregnancy and childbirth? So yes to all of the above. <laughs> um, yes to that there is structural and systemic racism within the medical field, right? We've seen that when we go back to Dr. Uh, Marianne Sims, all the way up to what we're talking about now in terms of the number of Black women um, who are dying, giving child, um, giving giving birth to children. So yes, is there ignorance? Yes, but that's not our responsibility as women of color to make sure that you get what you need to know how to treat us. That goes back to the system. That's the that's bro- right. system that we're talking about. And so yes, and I think that when we talked about um, how COVID in and itself started to expose the disparities, the healthcare disparities and lack of resources in particular hospitals or cities or to certain locations. They existed all the time. It wow. That's right. So either we step in, which we are still looking at people to step in that space and to say, hey, this has like Omar was talking about that hospital. How's the hospital surviving? If the one he's talking about that has been yes in Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. still standing absolutely Um, because it probably services poor people and they get poor treatment instead of you know someone stepping and saying hey let's shut it down and move people you know it's it's just like we keep working within these broken systems until someone. Um, does something or some people start advocating. And these are the conversations that we hope continue to kind of perpetuate. And the other thing is that we are hoping that more students come out of college, more black students wanna go into the medical field and become black doctors and advocate for black communities. That's on you, Jill. 
<laughs> right. All on your, no, not all on your shoulders. Can I just ask a quick follow-up question? And this is going to sound wild. Again, I'm the one with all the wild questions, everybody. But when I have been places um, where I need to get like professional treatment, for example, like I've been on like TV shows and a makeup artist or a hairstylist will come over and me, I will say, oh, hey, you know, nice to meet you. Do you have experience doing makeup for black women? Have you done um, black women's hair before? Is that something we should now be doing with healthcare providers? Hi, I would, I've heard so much about your practice. Um, I would love to become a patient of yours. Do you have experience working with uh, black women or black families treating black patients? Is that something that we should now start doing? I don't think it's on, I think, I don't think it's not her that we can't. I think that we don't know that we can. And I think the fear is that if I ask too much, then I'm not going to get served. I'm not going to get treated. I might get, so to speak, blacklisted or called difficult or uncooperative, whatever people, whatever they want to write in the chart. Right. <laughs> you're, you're scared to, to advocate for yourself because you don't know what's on the other side of that. Yes. No, it may be, well, maybe you should go down the street to the other hospital. You should go there. And when you don't have resources or you don't have the means to get around and move and do all these things, you're at the mercy of them. And so it really depends. I think everybody's story is going to be a little bit different, but I think we have the right to ask for things. I mean, patient rights are posted everywhere in hospitals, but that doesn't mean once you get in there that they follow those things. You know, again, you're at the mercy of what happens in that moment. So I don't think it's unheard of to ask. Lots of people call uh, my practice or check my website out to see if I'm black before they come to see me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not, you know, and I've only had one person in my 10, 20 year career that did not do his homework when he came to see me. And then when we got in the room, realized that he said the thing that he came to work on was racism. <laughs> and I said, oh, did you not look at my website for you? Is this going to be a problem for you, sir? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I didn't. Oh, so we have a choice. We can learn from each other. Right. And not come back. This is, this, you know, so again, people have to do their homework uh, and, and do as much as you can. But even with being as informed as we have been and, and people and all your stories that I've heard on your um, podcast and other podcasts, people are informed and they come armed. Yeah. And when you get into that space, you are at the mercy of those experts in that room. So it is a little bit difficult sometimes to advocate yourself in a way to get what you planned to, to have. So Dr. Clack, with that said, one question for you is, so what should Black parents expect to happen in their interactions with doctors and how should Black parents prepare themselves? I think I'm going to say the same. What you expect and what you get may not be the same. I think you should expect to be treated with dignity and respect and Mm -hmm. honor and the same way that your white counterpart, I think you should expect that. What you receive, you may receive a very old school physician who may not care about patient rights, may have a very poor bedside manner, and you will still have to figure out how to advocate for yourself in the most professional way that you can. And if in that moment it doesn't, then you may have to leave and the pen is mightier than a sword and you start writing to board of directors, you do whatever you need to do. Um, the Yelp you guys mentioned before around how you were treated and get that information out so that people 
realized that this wasn't the best place to be if you're a woman of color. So word of mouth, again, we go back to word of mouth is how was your experience and that with that physician? How was your experience with that group of doctors? So that we can help women not experience the same thing repeatedly um, and allowing these systems to kind of continue to work in this way and not be held accountable. Hey Tribe, if you're anything like me, you may have considered cosmetic surgery to help you hit your body goals. Aveca Moore Skincare Spa has a proven holistic alternative to cosmetic surgery. This licensed aesthetician focuses on body contouring using a variety of methods that can target fat loss in any area of your choice, whether it's your stomach, your arms, your legs, or your face. It can reduce cellulite and it tightens skin. Head on over to Instagram and DM Aveca Moore underscore XO to find out how you can have a new body in just three weeks. That's Aveca Moore, A-V-E-C-A-M-O-U-R underscore X-O and tell her that a tribe called Fertility sent you. So I, I, this, I wanted to ask both of you this question, Dr. Clack and Amari. Uh, what guidance do you have for survivors of maternal mortality? Oh, I'll let Amari go because I would love to hear what has been yes. working for him. There's a lot of things I want to say, but I think just kind of really just baseline is, you know, one is do your research, you know, and that's really with anything, you know, you got to do your, do your own research too, because everybody's different. Every family dynamic is different. Everybody's wants are different, you know, so do your own research just because you live in a, an area and, and the hospital is down the block, it doesn't mean that you have to use that hospital at all. You know, just because, you know, um, you go to the hospital and they give you a doctor and they put a physician in front of you, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to keep using that same physician, you know. So, you know, do your own research, but also, you know, create a checklist, you know, there and and use the resources that, that are around. Now, I know that doulas and midwiferies, it can be expensive, you know, um, but there are programs that you know, you can, and again, I don't know them offhand, but, you know, everything's a Google search nowadays. So, you know, there are programs offhand that you can get um, used and they can help fund, if not the entire, give a scholarship for the entire um, duration of your pregnancy, but at least partial scholarships for you, opportunities mm. to have people to advocate, hold on one second, for you um, in terms of having the dealership or the Wifery service. Um, also, um, do all, do your, do, do the exercises, do your homework. Don't, you know, birthing is laborious and I'm so glad I'm not a, a woman. I don't know <laughs> if I could give birth to a, a whole human being, you know, but, um, the more exercise, the more work you do in order to prepare your body, your mind, and, you know, and your, the community around you, um, the easier your labor will be, you know? So, you know, make sure that you let people know, like, listen, I'm gonna need you to get the bag ready. I'm gonna need you to have my food ready. I'm gonna need you to take me here. I'm gonna need you to take me there. I'm gonna need you to pick me up, you know? So that everybody knows what's going on and everybody's on the same page, um, you know? But also too, in terms of, you know, the postpartum piece, because, you know, that is kind mm. of where a lot of the ball gets dropped, you know? Yes. Um, a friend of mine, Charles Johnson, says that, you know, women and mothers really are just kind of the rappers for children, you know, and, mm. and in terms of, you know, once the baby's done, you know, everybody thinks the job is done, you know, what that's just obvious. It's not the case, you know, so that postpartum time from, you know, giving birth until a year to a year and a half to even two years out, you know, we have to make sure that our queens are, are taken care of, um, you know, so that, that means a couple of different things, you know, that means that you... 
again, you have to keep make sure that you're still in contact with your doula or your midwifery service or your hospital, whatever you're using to um, make sure that your vitals are, are fine, you know, uh, making sure that you're having your rest after. Um, but also if you're having symptoms and signs, go to the hospital. Like I, the thing that I wish that I did differently was that, um, you know, we did the, we made phone calls and phone calls are great do that you know but it's even better to physically go you know regardless if they turn you around a hundred times go 101 times because you just never know you know um and if you feel like and again you know women y'all know your bodies you know when things are moving right you know when there's something wrong you know when you kind of feel kind of off and you know um even if you are a hypochondriac and you know you are just kind of always moving in that type of vein you know again it's always better to be on the side of caution than and proactive as, as, as opposed to being reactive, you know? So um, again, if you're feeling signs, you're feeling symptoms, shortness of breath, if you're feeling, you know, kind of out of sorts, if, you know, your stitching is not, if you have a C-section, your stitching is not, you know, um, healing properly, all those things, just go, 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 go. Make them use your insurance because that's what we pay for. So that's yes. kind of what I have to say in a nutshell. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, God. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. I just wanted just one last question. I know you got to go, but I just wanted to ask, but any advice for fathers? Definitely. Um, mm -hmm. For me, and this is for fathers, but men specifically, like, you know, we have a tendency to want to move and we've been taught this also to move as individuals, right? Do mm -hmm. things on our own, you know, on our own backs, make sure that, you know, we can take care of our family, but do it not necessarily in the, the community, you know, in the community space. But from what I've learned from my experience now and, you know, just from what I've been seeing with my family and my children and, you know, my friends is just so much better to be collaborative as opposed to competition, right? So you want to make sure that, you know, you, we're holding each other up, you know, as men and that, you know, we are letting... Um, our families know, our, our women know, our spouses, you know, our partners know what we're feeling, what's going on and, and, you know, how we are of service or how we can be of service or what we just don't know. Like, you know, you can't, you can't be mad at somebody for not knowing if they just, like I said, they just don't know, you know? So I, I would say specifically for men, you know, make sure that you are using the community, make sure that you're using your resources, make, make sure that you're speaking, you know, and letting people know you know, what you know and what you can do and what you don't know and what you can't do or, or think you can't do at the time. And then, um, you know, kind of putting your best foot forward. The hardest thing is to really just be, um, you know, we can be sympathetic, we can be empathetic, but the hardest thing is, is really to really put yourselves in the shoes of, of understanding what exactly is going on when it's time to give birth or what a female is going through to get giving birth, you know? And the, all the, not just the physical, things that go on it, go along with that, but the um, emotional and the, the mental and the chemical, you know, changes that are happening. Like all that stuff is not necessarily things that we really understand and we haven't, we don't deal with on a physical basis as men. So, um, you know, just because, you know, they wind up getting on your nerves and the shamanic got on my nerves a lot, you know? So like, I'm speaking from experience, like, you know, kind of trying to do your right. put that to the side and- right give you know her what she needs and but also at the same time let her know what you need and how you feel you know right try to come to absolutely some yeah. type of type of middle ground you know um because 
everybody, it only works and it's always best when you're doing it together and that at least you guys are kind of communicating and expressing yourselves because once that happens, then, you know, we already got a whole bunch of other things to kind of have to deal with, you know, so um, mm-hmm. keeping the balance and the communication um, within the household is, you know, is, is key. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Dr. Clark, you. Do you have thank any closing you. words um, just in terms of everything that we've been talking about today, any guidance or advice or just um, kind of like outlook for our listeners? I'm always going to come up with the same thing and, and, and the importance of um, seeking support. I'm always going to find your community, find your tribe, and don't be afraid to do therapy. I'm, I'm treating many women, more women now with postpartum. And the sooner we get in there, um, so as soon as the, the physician does a follow-up and they find out that the mom is really struggling, the sooner we get her into therapy, the shorter the duration of that depression is, and they start to get symptom relief really, really quickly. And so I know that some people um, um, just don't know how to assess it, but that's okay. Get them into the room with a the therapist to help them assess that so they can get their help right away. So that's important. Thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank That's you. Excellent. Excellent. Amari. Thank you. Um, thank you so much, Amari. Yeah. No, no problem. Yeah. Thank you. So I just like to say to all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in again this week. Once more, I would like to thank our guest, Omari Maynard, and also Dr. Angela Clack. Um, Omari, please let our listeners know how they can find you on social media. Oh, definitely. Um, on social media, my handle is M underscore U underscore Z. Also, thanks to Shimani and in honor of Shimani. Um, myself and her mother, Shawnee Gibson, started the ARIA Foundation, which stands for the Advancement of Reproductive Innovation Through Artistry and Health, where, you know, we speak about these issues, you know, but through it, through it, excuse me, do it through an artistic lens and through artistic expression. So um, if you can, ha- can follow us that there, it's also called the ARIA, A-R-I-A-H Foundation. Awesome. Thank you. And Dr. Clack, can you let our listeners know how they can find you on social media? Uh, sure. So Facebook and IG at Clack Angela, and then my website, www.clackassociates.com. Please follow A Tribe Called Fertility on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Feel free to DM us with your questions, thoughts, or share your fertility story. For more information on your amazing podcast hosts, please visit www dot a tribe called fertility.com. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us. It really helps the show and we welcome the feedback. For those of you who are watching us on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to our channel and hit that notification bell so that you know when we're dropping new content.